Bismillah walhamdulillah Salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man tamasaka bi sunnatihi bi ihsan ila yawmiddin وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ Will y'all get ready for everything? Okay. وَأَصْحَابِهِ وَمَنْ تَمَسَّكَ بِسُنَّتِهِ بِإِحْسَانٍ إِلَى يَوْمِ الدِّينِ أما بعد After praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sending the salutations upon the Messenger alayhi salatu wassalam and upon his family and his companions and upon all those who follow upon his guidance into the establishment of the last day to proceed ikhwan Allahumma inna na'udha bika min ilmi la yanfa' wa min qalbin la yakhsha' wa min nafsin la tashba' wa min dua'in la yusma' verily Allah we seek refuge with you from knowledge there is no benefit and from a heart there is no fear and from a soul that has no satisfaction, no contentment, and from a dua that goes unanswered, and from a dua that goes unanswered. Can we write this dua? Inshallah, that will be tremendous. May Allah bless you. Probably, I don't know if they're ready now. Or not. Yeah, it's weird. So that for the sisters. The brothers mentioned that you can come to the uh, the area, inshallah, and may Allah bless you all. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. ففي هذه الليلة نبدأ قراءة من كتاب ثان. So tonight we're going to start reading from another book. إن شاء الله تعالى من باب العقيدة. From the science of العقيدة. ولعله وصل إلى جميعكم إن شاء الله. And perhaps the book has reached all of you by now. خصوصاً الذين يقرؤون اللغة العربية especially those of you mostly all of you by now الحمد لله that can read the Arabic أرجو منكم أن تقرؤوا وانتستفيدوا وأن تقرؤوا وانتستفيدوا من العربية as I implore you to continue to learn and benefit from reading and studying the Arabic language وإذا ما عندكم من اللغة العربية لا بأس فيمكنك أن تقرأ من الترجمة. and if you don't, you haven't reached the level yet to read. some of the children haven't reached that level yet. inshallah they'll reach that level. 
for them they can just read in English for now no problem inshallah ta'ala so you all should have the metan of usul al-thalatha the metan of the three principles وهذا الدرس inshallah ta'ala سنركز على الحفظ وريدكم أن تركزوا على الحفظ so in this class we're going to try to focus on memorization and we want the brothers and the sisters similarly to try to focus upon memorization ومن ما أرى منكم يا إخوان قوة الحفظ فأنصحوا أنفسنا وياكم أن تحفظوا كل شيء إن استطعتم حفظه فاحفظوه and from what I witnessed from your brothers and sisters in your blessed community that Allah has blessed you all with strong memorization the sisters especially and the brothers likewise so I recommend ourselves and you brothers and sisters to memorize everything Memorize whatever you can memorize, inshallah ta'ala. إِذَا إِسْتَطَعْتُمْ أَن تَحْفَظُوهُ فَحْفَظُوهُ If you can memorize it, memorize it, inshallah ta'ala. طَيْبْ فَالَّذِينَ مَعَنْدَهُ دَفْتَرُ خُذَ الدَّفْتَرُ So those brothers that don't have anything to write with, they get something to write with, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah bless you all. وَكَمُكُمْ who studied this book before? The three principles. Who studied the likes of this book before? Any of you studied before? This is the first time. So the author of this book is a tremendous scholar from the scholars of Al-Islam First thing I want you to write down is the author of the book The first name I want you to write tonight is the author of the book So you're going to write Shaykh Sheikh Our beloved Sheikh is asking you want us to write in Arabic or English For those that can write in Arabic You want to write in Arabic? Write in Arabic That's better For those of you that haven't reached that level yet And you want to write in English So I'll leave that up to you if you can write in Arabic, write in Arabic. If you haven't reached that level yet, write in English. No problem. In English, you're going to write Shaykh S H A S H A I K. Shaykh Muhammad. Shaykh Muhammad. M U H A M M. A.D. Muhammad Ibn I.B.N. Abdul Wahab Abdul Wahab A.B.D. I.L. Wahab W.A.H.H.A.A.B. Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahhab Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahhab At-Tamimi At-Tamimi A-T 
T A M E M E M I Atemimi. If you don't get it right now, after class we can correct whatever we have to correct. A Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahab Atemimi. Rahimahullah. May Allah have mercy upon him. وهو من العلماء الذي كان في سعودية وفي زمانه وقع كثير من المسلمين في الشرك والانحرافات وبعض البدعات فدعاهم إلى التوحيد ودعاهم رجوعا إلى السنة ودعاهم إلى عدم العبادة الأصنام وما أشبه هذا وما أشبه هذا. So this beloved Imam in the lands of Saudi he lived there at that time. And many of the Muslims at that time began to fall into shirk. Ma huwa shirk? What shirk, ya khwa? To make partners with Allah. To worship with Allah other than Allah. And they began to fall into worshiping idols and the sanam. And they began to fall into leaving off the sunnah. And they began to fall into other than that. So this Imam, not alone, but he was one of the ones who helped Return the Muslims back to worshiping Allah upon At-Tawheed. Those who mada worship Allah Ta'ala upon the Sunnah of the Messenger he began to help them come back to that. So he wrote many books. And he wrote many compilations, many books. And we're not saying we blind follow him. No. We love the scholars with an Islamic love. What does that mean, Islamic love? Love them according to Islam. We love them according to what? Quran and Sunnah. When we say we love you religiously, we love you for Allah's sake, we love the scholars religiously. What does that mean? We don't raise them above their levels. We don't say they're prophets and messengers. No. And we don't lower them beneath their levels. If a scholar makes a mistake, we don't throw him under the bus. No. We say it's a mistake. We correct it. Bismillah. And you keep the honor of the people of knowledge. Some of the other groups, they think, you people on the Sunnah, y'all blind follow the likes of this scholar. And we say, no, blind following is haram. We follow the book of Allah and the Sunnah of His Messenger. And what else, look, man? The understanding of the companions. We follow the Quran. You owe me 10 push ups. We follow the Quran and the Sunnah upon whose understanding? The understanding of the companions, or if you wish, the understanding of the Salaf. The understanding of the Salaf. Toy. Lahu Kutubun Adida, Mustafida. He has many compilations, many books. Allah Kitab I'm going to give you three of his books, inshallah. He wrote Kitab the Book of Tawheed. The Book of Tawheed. And he wrote this book that we have in front of us today. 
Usul Thalatha, Usul Thalatha, the three principles. So we have two of his books Kitab Tawheed, the book of Tawheed. Second book, Usul Thalatha. Kitab Tawheed, T A U, for our young children. T A U H E E D, Tawheed. Tawheed. He also wrote Usul Thalatha, the book that we're going to start to memorize today. And I, we're going to maybe change the schedule as we only have it two days a week. But maybe we can do another day, inshallah. So we can bomb Ramadan, we'll be done. Inshallah. It's a small book. Usul Thalatha, he wrote the three principles. Walahu Kitab. Quran. He also has another book, The Virtues of the Quran. He has many books here. These are just a few of his books. What's one of his books, Luqman? <coughs> Kitab. Kitab MashaAllah. What's your name again? Uh, Ayub. Ayub. How I forget Ayub. What's another one of his books, Ayub? One of our sisters. What's another one of his books? How can I follow you guys class? You can follow us on Clubhouse or the Masjid's YouTube or our YouTube. Inshallah, may Allah bless you all. What's one of his books? Our children laughing. Oh, laughing in class. 10 push-ups automatically. And he's in the back. Come up close. May Allah bless you. What's one of his books? Kitab all of you have the copy of the book. The Sheikh sent it to the group that y'all have. So you can follow along, inshallah. We have the metin there on the telegram, I believe. So he wrote this book. In order for the Muslims who pass away, so they can learn the questions that are going to be asked of them in the grave. What are the three questions that are going to be asked in the grave? The brother in the back that I can't see. What's your name, Yaqi? Huh? Mu'annif. Tayyip. In the Kadaftar? You got something to write on? Jamilan. Accent. Tayyip. What's the three questions of the grave? Who's your Lord? Your prophet, mashallah, and what's your religion? Mashallah, accent. So, he wrote this whole book in order to teach us how to answer the likes of those three questions. What are they? Who's your Lord? Who's your prophet? And what's your religion? Accent. Tawhid. Let's begin, Yahwan. Who has a copy of the book available? Read the first part, inshallah, with a loud voice. Continue. <laughs> 
Let's begin there, inshallah. قال الإمام رحمه الله تعالى هذه الكيفية أريدكم أن تحفظوا إن شاء الله تعالى بهذه الكيفية. This I want you to memorize it, إن شاء الله. وكل كتب وكل متن تحفظونه. And also every book that you memorize and every متن that your brothers and sisters memorize, I want you to start like this. أولا نذكر اسم المؤلم. First you're going to write or you're going to recite the name of the author. Whatever book you're memorizing. Our sister is studying, one of the sisters, she's memorizing Muslim. So she's going to say, Qala al-Imam Muslim, as she starts. Imam Muslim says, whatever book you're memorizing, start off with the author first. So the first thing I want you to write is the name of the author. You're going to say, Qala make it easy, ikhwan. Qala al-Shaykh. Or you can say, Qala Shaykh al-Islam. He has that nickname also. Or you can say, Qala Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. That's how I want you to start. Right? So I'll say it, you say it. I'll say it, you say it. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Qala Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. That's how you're going to begin every book you're memorizing. Whatever book you're memorizing, mention the Shaykh. You memorize it from Bukhari, call al Imam al Bukhari. Muslim, call al Imam Muslim. Whatever you're memorizing. Who's the author? Masmuka Anta. What's your name again? Zubair. What's the name of the author without looking? MashaAllah, our scent, our scent. One of our sisters, what's the name of the author? Jamilan. Qala Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. Tadalu. Together. I say, you say. Qala Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. Rahimahullah Ta'ala Rahimahullah Ta'ala I'lam Rahimakallah Qala Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab Rahimahullah Ta'ala Qala Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab Rahimahullah Ta'ala. I am. 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 I
تعلموا أربع مسائل قال الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله تعالى اعلم رحمك الله أنه يجب علينا تعلم أربع مسائل الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب says May Allah have mercy upon him. May Allah have mercy upon him. No. No. It's obligatory. It's obligatory upon us. Upon us to know. To know four things. Four things. All right. Who can repeat that in Arabic, even by reading? We're going to take turns, inshallah. You're going to try to memorize. Recite with a loud voice so that at least the person beside you can hear your voice. Let's start from the right. نبدأ من اليمنى لأن البدء من اليمنى من اليمنى السنة. Let's start from the right. I like when y'all sit on the right. Mashallah. Because starting from the right is a sunnah. So let's start with our brother first. You don't have it? No. I'm trying to find it right now. Alright. Somebody share. You on the on Telegram group of the message? Yeah, I'm on Telegram. I don't know if I can see. You don't see the book? The most recent message. Yeah. The last one, I believe. Our sisters have the copy on the telegram. Huh? Alright, one of our sisters go first, inshallah. We're our brothers. We're always late. Alright. MashaAllah, I sent you, I sent you, I sent you. Alright, Ayub, you don't have it? Nah, but. قال قال الإمام محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله اعلم رحمك الله أنه يجيب علينا تعلم أربع مسائل ما شاء الله عسنت عسنت طيب for those that don't have the book I'll say you say I'll say you say قال الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله تعالى اعلم أنه يجب علينا أنه يجب علينا تعلم أربع مسائل قال الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله قال الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله اعلم أنه يجب علينا تعلم أربع مسائل Our beloved brother on the right, all by yourself. I'll say you say. I'll say you say. قال الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب. Raise your voice, sir. 
رحمه الله تعالى اعلم رحمك الله أنه يجب علينا تعلم أربع مسائل ما شاء الله سنت what's your name also huh Ibrahim some of you are, remember your names some of you all forgot your names as the the days pass I see your faces mashallah Ayub I forgot Ayub's name every time I see Ayub he's smiling mashallah every time Allah Akbar قال الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله رحمه الله raise your voice رحمه الله اعلم رحمه الله نعم اعلم رحمك الله انه يجب علينا تعلم Okay, now we're gonna go to the next part. El Ula. The first one. He says Arabai Masail. It's obligatory to learn four things. El Ula. The first thing. El Ula. El Ula. Ma'rifatullahi. ومعرفة نبيه ومعرفة دين الإسلام بالأدلة. So the Imam he says the first thing is that we have knowledge of Allah and knowledge of the Prophet of Allah and knowledge of the religion of Al Islam. With the proofs. With the proofs. So these three things he mentions for number one. Having knowledge of Allah, knowledge of the Prophet of Allah, and knowledge of Islam. With the proofs. And this is the most important ikhwan. قال الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله رحمه الله اعلم رحمك الله انه يجب علينا تعلم اربع مسائل الاولى العلم he has in this copy العلم some of the copies has معرفته some has العلم طيب العلم العلم وهو معرفة الله ومعرفة نبيه ومعرفة دين الإسلام بالأدلة الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب says Oh, may Allah have mercy upon him. Says. May Allah mercy upon him. Says. No. No. May Allah have mercy upon you. May Allah have mercy upon you. It's obligatory upon us. 
to have knowledge of four things. The first thing. Knowledge of Allah. The first thing, knowledge. And it is knowledge of Allah. And knowledge of the Prophet of Allah. And knowledge of Al-Islam. With the proofs. Let's comment slightly inshallah ta'ala. فالمؤلف بدأ يا إخوان بالدعاء. So the first thing the author is going to start off with is making dua. من يدعو له. Who is he making dua for? He says رحمك الله. May Allah have mercy upon you. Who is the you? I sent the reader. فكل من يقرأ هذا الكتاب الشيخ يدعو رحمة الله تعالى له. وهذا عظيم. So anyone who's reading the book, the sheikh, the author is making dua for them. May Allah have mercy upon you, the sister, the brother, the mother, the father, the child, ayyikari and ma. Whoever's reading the book, he's making dua for them. And some of the copies it has, rahimani yallahu wa iyyakum, wa hadha afdal. And some of the copies of this book, the original manuscripts, it has, may Allah have mercy upon me and you. And that's better. Qala ba'dul ulama, indama turid an tada'a li shaks, ibda' bi nafsik. Many of the scholars of the past, they used to say, whenever you make dua for someone else, start with yourself. Whenever you make dua for someone else, you say, brother, may Allah forgive you. It's better to say, may Allah forgive me and you. It's better to start from yourself. Some copies have, may Allah have mercy upon you. Some copies have, may Allah have mercy upon me and you. So it's up to the reader, inshallah. The one I have, has upon you. So the first thing he begins with is a dua. He's making dua for the reader. Tayyip. Qala i'lam rahimakallah. He says, No, may Allah have mercy upon you. I'lam, you're commanding someone to know. Filugatil Arabiyyah had al fi'lul amr. All of you are studying Arabic with our beloved Imam, our beloved Shaykh, Imam Ayu. Tayyip, one of the things he teaches is. The command form of the verb. So the Imam says, I'lam, he's commanding you. No. Rahimakallah. May Allah have mercy upon you. Tayyip. That is obligatory. The next verb I want you to write down is the verb wajaba. Wajaba in the in the past tense. Yajibu in the madari. Wajaba means. Something is, or it's obligatory. Wajaba means to be obligatory. Add this to your vocabulary, inshallah. Wajaba yajibu. It means to be obligatory. Ennuhu yajibu alayna ta'allamu araba'i masail. It's obligatory upon us to learn four things. Al-ula. The first thing he says, al-ilmu. Skip a line and write this down. Al-ilmu. Al-ilm. You brothers writing in Arabic? Alif, lam. Alif, lam. Ayn, lam, mim. Alif, lam. Ayn, lam, mim. In English, al-ilm. A-L. 
I L M L Ilmu. One of our sisters says he also has Fadlul Quran. Naam, Hada Sahih. He has the virtues of the Quran. That's another one of his books. Type Al Ilmu Aksul Jahil. Knowledge is the opposite of Jahil, ignorance. Knowledge is the opposite of ignorance. Al Ilmu, sit down, Ayub. You have to go? So knowledge is the opposite of ignorance. Al Ilmu huwa idraku shay the first definition we're going to learn tonight is what is knowledge skip a line write down knowledge the meaning of knowledge what does it mean knowledge knowledge is comprehending or understanding something the way it actually is to perceive something to actualize something, to have perception of something, the way it really is. Knowing the reality of something, the way it actually is. <laughs> Having knowledge of something, perceiving something, comprehending something, the way it actually is. That's knowledge. No. With an absolute perception Knowing it absolutely Having no doubt about it So To know something To comprehend something To perceive something The way it actually is Not in your mind, no to learn something, to know something, how it actually is. Idrakan jaziman. With an absolute understanding. To know something the way it really is. Who can repeat that definition? Father? Knowledge is comprehending something the mm -hmm. way it actually is mm -hmm. in the reality of it. MashaAllah, our sense, our sense. Father Sheikh? Understand something the way it actually is. Look, man. To understand something. It actually, it really is. One of our sisters. I'll say it, you say Call it a Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. Rahimahullah Ta'ala. Ilam, Rahimakallah, Rahimakallah, and Yajibu Alaina, and Yajibu Alaina, Ta'alumu Arabaima Sail, Ta'alumu 
الأولى العلم وهو معرفة الله ومعرفة نبيه ومعرفة دين الإسلام بالأدلة الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب says May Allah have mercy upon him. No. May Allah have mercy upon you. It's obligatory upon us to have knowledge of four things. The first thing. Knowledge. And it is knowledge of Allah. Knowledge of the Prophet of Allah. And knowledge of Al-Islam. With the proofs. So the first thing the Imam he says. The first thing is knowledge. And then he defines knowledge or rather explains it. And it's the understanding or having knowledge of Allah. And having knowledge of his prophet Muhammad. And having knowledge of Al-Islam with the proofs. The next thing I want you to write down here, Ikhwan. قال الإمام العلم ينقسم إلى قسمين. Next thing I want you to benefit from the different types of knowledge. He says knowledge is of two types. Knowledge is of two types. How many types? Two types. قال علم ضروري. First type. And I want you to try to learn these terms. Even our youth, we're going to write it out for you, inshallah, or spell it out for you, so we can try to memorize it. To the best of our abilities. To the best of our abilities. First one. For our children, skip a line. Write number one with a circle. Number one. You're going to write ilmun, ilmun in Arabic, ain lam noon. Ilmun ain lam, ain lam meem. Ilmun. I said noon first, it should have been a meme. Ain lam meme. In English, I L M. I L M. Ilmun. Next word, Dururiyun. Dururiyun. In Arabic, it's kind of tricky. Dod. Ra. Wow. Dururiyun. Dod, ra, wow, ra, yeah. Let's say that again. Dod, ra, wow, ra, yeah. Dururiyun. In English, there's no dod in English. D, a. R U to use U R I Y Duru How would you write Duru Ri Duru Ri R I Y Duru Ri In English the knowledge that is Ilmun Duru Ri 
necessitative knowledge. Knowledge that is necessary. Knowledge that is necessitative. ما معنى هذا؟ هذا العلم يعرفه كل شخص بدون أن ينظر إلى أي كتاب ما إلى أي مصحف إلى أي قرآن إلى أي حديث ما هو يعلم هذا العلم وهو معلوم عند جميع المخلوقات This علم ضروري This knowledge that is necessitative What does it mean? It's knowledge that everyone knows You automatically know it Without looking at any Quran any sunnah, any books. You don't have to look nowhere. You automatically know it from perception. Like a sama'u folk. Like the sky is above. Like al-ma'u sa'il. Water is wet. Like, what's another one, Lukman? That you automatically know. No one taught you. You just learned it from perception. Al-naru har. Fire. When Audibillah is hot, you know automatically. Some of us were little. I was a hard-headed child. I had to touch it. My mother said, Don't touch that fire. I said, why? What's going to happen? It's going to burn you. I said, let me see if it's going to And then I burned myself. She said, I told you, it's going to burn you. At any rate, some knowledge you automatically know from perception. This is ilmu dururi. This is what he means by that dururi. Without looking at any Qur'an, nothing has to teach you that water is wet. Nothing has to teach you that snow is cold. You know that from experience, from perception. You know that. That's ilmun dururi. That's the first type of knowledge. Athani, second type of knowledge, ilmun nadari. Ilmun nadari. Second type of knowledge, you're going to write the same word again. Ilmun bi'arabiyya ayn. Lam Mim I L M Ilam Nadari Noon Va Ra Ya Noon Va Ra Ya English Inclusia N A T H another A R E E Nadari. So we have two types of two types of knowledge. Ilmun Dururi Ilmun Nadari. I'll say it, you say. I'll say it, you say. El Ilmu Yan Kasimu Ila Kismain. Knowledge is divided. Into two parts. Ilmun Dururiyun wa Ilmun Nadariyun. Knowledge that is necessitative or necessitative knowledge and knowledge that is, I don't know how to say Nadari in English, it's the knowledge that it's like textual. You have to look at the evidence, you have to look at the Quran and the Sunnah. This is Nadari. You nadara, nadaruta, you looked at it. You have the Quran, and you had to look at the Quran, and then the Quran teaches you that, for example, al Jumu'atu wajibatun, Jumu'ah prayer is obligatory. So that's not dururi. We didn't learn that from evidence, uh, from experience. We learned that from the Quran and the Sunnah.
Allah didn't say Al Jumu'ah wajiba nowhere in the Quran. Another example is the morning prayer is obligatory. Where did Allah say that at? What verse? In the whole Quran. Accent. It's mentioned, it's implied. When the scholars make the istinbal, they deduce and they derive. But it's nowhere in the Quran that Allah says it's obligatory. But you get that when you take the look, when you study the Quran and Sunnah. Another example of that is at tawheed. Aqsam at tawheed. How many categories of tawheed are there? Three. Had the mujma'un alayh? Do all the scholars say that? Our Sheikh says yes. Our Sheikh says no. Is that universal? Is that mujma'un alayh? Do all the scholars say there are three types of Tawheed? No. The answer is no. Their meaning is the same, but they differ on the number. How can that be? How can the scholars differ on the meaning of it, but differ on the number? I go out to the masjid, someone says, hey, who's in the masjid? I say, Luke Mann is in there. And then he comes in and sees the brothers and sisters there. He said, you just told me only Luke Mann is in there. I didn't say that. I said, Luke Mann is in there. Another brother comes and says, who's in the masjid? I say, Zubair is in the masjid. He comes in, he says, Zubair is in there, Luqman is in there, Ayub is in there. You just said, Zubair. So you can differ on how you describe something, but the meaning of what you're saying can be the same. Some of the ulama say, Tawheed is of three categories, and they're the majority. Some of the ulama say four. Some of the ulama say two. How can two and three and four be so uh, who can answer? How can two and three? This is not math. Not math, yeah. How can two and three and four be the same? Who can explain? Two of them can fall into the same category. Two falls into one? Good. Or one can be separated into two. It depends on how they break it down. Accent. Those that say four and those that say three, they're saying the same thing. But those that say four, they add another category that those that say three are not talking about. Those that say four and those that say three, three of the four is the first three of the second category. Therefore, they say it's talking about the Messenger Mutabaa. The other three say, no, we're not talking about the Prophet, we're talking about Allah. So their last one is not talking about what the first group is saying. Those that say two, their whole three of the second group, they pit into one. They pit into one. And the second one, they say, singing out the Messenger. So it depends on how you break it down. Likewise in Hadith. Likewise in Hadith. Where did the scholars get that there are three types of Hadith from? What verse says that? What Hadith did the Messenger of Allah ever say? That Aqsamul Hadith Talatha. Where did Allah say in the Quran, Aqsamul Hadith Talatha? That the categories of Hadith are three. The answer is, it doesn't exist. No in the Quran. But when the scholars study the hadith of the Messenger and they deduce and dissect and scrutinize, they find that there are how many types of hadith? Three. What are they? Sahih, Hasan, and Daif. And then there are some scholars that say, no, there's not three types of hadith. The earlier great imams, Ahmad, Bukhari, Muslim, 
that they say there were only two types of hadith. What are they? Sahih and Da'if. And then another scholar came. And then another scholar who was a student of Al-Bukhari. What was his name? He was a student of his. Al-Tirmidhi, I sent. He comes along. He didn't make it up. It was there, but it wasn't known by what he called it. He said, Bukhari, his teacher. When I look at the hadith, I see another type of hadith. He says, what is it? He said, Hasan. He breaks it down to Bukhari. Bukhari says, yes, that exists. So it was there, but he didn't call it Hasan. They only said Sahih and Da'if. And then from Sahih, they broke it down into Hasan. So then At-Tirmidhi identified another type. Sahih, Hasan, and Da'if. So no matter how much you break it down, there are only three types of hadith. Two if you wish, Sahih and Da'if, and three if you wish. After Tirmidhi came, Sahih, Hasan, and Da'if. We'll learn that more, inshallah, when we study our hadith class. Bidnillahi ta'ala. Let's go back and say it a few more times. What book are you guys studying tonight? Tonight we're studying Usul al-Thalatha. I'll say it, you'll say it. Who memorized it all by themselves? So far. One of our sisters memorized, I think the sister recited the whole thing, mashallah. Would you like to recite it again? Oh, la bas. You can recite it again, inshallah. La bas. Qala al-imam, or qala al-shaykh. يجب علينا أنه يجب علينا تعلم أربع مسائل الأولى العلم وهو معرفة الله ومعرفة نبيه ومعرفة دين الإسلام بالأدلة ما شاء الله سنت سنت نبأ براذس فضي أخي رجع بوس قال الشيخ قال الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله تعلم Nabi <laughs> Arba'i. Arba'i Masail. Al-Ula. Al-Ula. Al-Ilm. Wahu wa ma'arifu Allah. Wa ma'arifu Nabihi. Wa ma'arifu Dini al-Islam bil-Adillah. Mashallah, m
قال الشيخ محمد ابن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله تعالى اعلم رحمك الله انه يجب علينا تعلم اربع مسائل ما شاء الله الاولى العلم وهو معرفة الله الله ومعرفة نبيه معرفة نبيه ومعرفة دين الإسلام معرفة دين الإسلام بالأدلة أحسنت أحسنت عيوب لكمان قال الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب قال الشيخ محمد عبد الوهاب رحمه الله اعلم رحمك الله أنه يجب علينا تعلم أربع مسائل الأولى العلم وهو معرفة الله معرفة الله ومعرفة نبيه ومعرفة دين الإسلام بالأدلة أحسنت أحسنت قرأت أنت؟ يبي سارة ردي؟ I'm remembering your voice لعلك ما ما قرأت يبي سارة طيب أهم شيء هنا يا إخوان بالأدلة فاحفظوها one of the most important parts here as he says with the proofs أنا أنصح نفسي وياكم بالاجتهاد في البحث عن الأدلة كل شيء نقوله علينا بالدليل كل شيء نفعله علينا بالدليل I employ myself firstly my brothers and my sisters secondly whatever you do try to have a proof whatever you say try to have a proof قال بعد السلف لا تحك رأسك إلا لك دليل some of the salaf used to say don't even scratch your head unless you have a proof some when they say this is extreme, he's encouraging the people to go after the proofs. Just imagine, Ikhwan, in your house, you may hear, don't do, do, this sheikh said that, this imam said that. Most of the ikhtilafat nowadays is this sheikh said, this imam says, this sheikh said, my father said, my husband said, my wife said, my imam said, my madhav said. You barely hear, Allah said. You barely hear, the Prophet of Allah said. وَلِهَذَا كَانَ أَحْدُ الصَّحَابَةِ and for this reason, or one of these reasons, or from the reasons rather, the time of the companions was the most protected and guaranteed time period. Almost everything they said, even when they differed, was Allah said, the Prophet said. When they differ, they tend to differ on their understanding of it. But they had the proofs. Even when the Messenger of Allah, Tufiyah, when he passed away, alayhi salatu salam, كان عمر له فهم خاطئ لكن من أدلة ليس من رأيه لا من أدلة 
Even when the Messenger of Allah passed away, some people don't realize this. Umar had a position that was wrong. But he didn't make that up. Some people think he was talking with his emotions. No. That's Umar, one of the greatest minds, one of the greatest scholars you're ever going to read about. He was emotional, but he didn't make his position upon emotion. He got it from another verse, but he was wrong in what he understood from the verse. He thought the Messenger of Allah was never going to die. So he thought it was impossible that he would pass away. Whoever said that is a liar. And then Abu Bakr comes and says, Hawan alayki ya Umar. Hawan alayk. Take it easy. Calm down. And he mentioned that the Prophet of Allah, he passed away. The point here is what? In the time of the companions, they differed some small times. But they differed based upon understanding the text. We differ and we don't even have text. Most of the time. My Sheikh said, this Imam said, my Madhab says, my... it's not like that, Yaqwa. Try your best not to say anything, especially religiously, except that you have proof. It's going to humble you. You're not going to talk a lot because <laughs> you're not going to have the proofs. So you're going to be quiet. When someone does something in front of you, try not to say anything about it unless you know for sure. Don't say anything is right unless you know for sure. And don't say anything is wrong unless you know for sure. Right, the next thing I want you to write down here, Ikhwan. Qala bismillahir rahmanir rahim. So we learn knowledge is of how many types? Ayu? Three. Three. Close. Look, man. Ayu, help him out. How many types of knowledge without looking at your book? How many types of knowledge? Four. Ah, close. One of our sisters who didn't answer yet. How many types of knowledge? Two. Mashallah. One of them. Ilmun dururi. Second one. Knowledge that is dururiyun. It's necessary knowledge. It's knowledge that is a necessity. Meaning, who can explain? What does it mean? Like obvious knowledge. Uh, obvious, but give me a better word. Not obvious. Experience. Experience. You could say maybe, I don't want to say common sense knowledge. That's not correct. Because no sense is common. Obvious is a good word. But something stronger than obvious. Because you learned it by experience. You learned it by perception. It's more of a need than a want. It's more of a need. But you, you know it by like ex experience. Natural knowledge would be a good one. You could probably say... Huh? Say it again. By default. But you have to explain that further. I think natural knowledge. Knowledge or natural, apparent, obviously. Or I would you say obvious? Apparent. Apparent. Will be a good one. Pit a highlight and pit or parentheses. Apparent knowledge. Knowledge of default, but you have to explain that, that breakdown. Necessative uh, knowledge of a need is a, is a perfect one. As it comes from the verb or the, the noun, dorori. Something that is essential. Or that would be a good one. Essential knowledge, for example. But also understand you didn't learn it. You didn't memorize nothing. It's not knowledge. When you say necessity, sometimes you think that's something you memorize. It's not this type of knowledge. This is knowledge that you know automatically from your experiences, which you went through in life. You know that water is wet automatically, like the sister says, from default. You didn't memorize a verse that says that. You didn't memorize a hadith that says that. That's the second type, nadhari, the textual knowledge. Knowledge that you got from the text, from the narrations, from the ayat. You learn, for example, anna as-samawati that the earths are seven. That's not 
knowledge of that's obvious or apparent knowledge. No, you learned that from the Quran. That the earths are seven earths. You didn't learn that with man, look man, by just learning that from perception and experience. No, you learned the ayah, you learned the hadith, for example. That would be a good example of that. To learn that the heavens are above. To learn that a rock hurts if it hits you. Somebody takes a boat and says, Tch. and you say, now you know this boat that hurts. You didn't learn that from a hadith or an ayah. Not like that, yeah. So knowledge that is nadari, textual, and knowledge that is dururi, apparent, or uh, knowledge of a need. But the need is, not that you learned it from a Quran and Sunnah, that you experienced it, as the sister says, by default, or apparent, or obvious. The next thing we're going to learn, skip a line. The Imam says, Ayyub, may Allah have mercy upon you. What does the mercy mean? What's the meaning of mercy? What this means when you say to someone, may Allah have mercy upon you. You're saying, I'm asking that Allah forgives you of your sins that passed away. So when you say, may Allah have mercy on you, this has a meaning. It means, I'm asking Allah to forgive you, Ya'akhi, for any sins that you may have, that you've done, that already passed away. So that's the mercy of Allah. And regarding the future. So the mercy encompasses two things. Your past and your, your future. And I'm asking Allah Ta'ala that He protects you from making error in the future. So when you say have mercy upon someone, it's greater than saying may Allah forgive you. They both are tremendous. Learn both of those du'a. I give you two du'a to start practicing inshallah. Tonight, I want everyone in class tonight to use one of these two du'a. Every time someone يُقَدِّمُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ إِنشَاءَ تَعَالَى إِمَّا تَقُولُ هَذَا أَوْ Every time tonight, from tonight onward. We're going to practice all tonight and tomorrow inshallah with two du'a. Maybe, maybe every other class we'll learn another du'a inshallah. So write this first du'a down inshallah. We're going to practice tonight. Every time someone does something for you, I want you to say this to them. The first one is غَفَرَ اللَّهُ لَكَ غَفَرَ اللَّهُ لَكَ In English, غَفَرَ G-A-F R Gafara G-A-F-A G-A-F-A R Gafara Allahu R-A L-L-A-H Gafara Allahu U Next word Laka L-A-K-A Gafara Allahu Laka for our sisters, you're going to say Laki. The brothers are going to say Laka. The sisters, you're going to say Laka. Uh, Laki. Our brother says life experiences. That would be a good one. So the sister will say Ghafarallahu Laki. The brothers will say to a brother Ghafarallahu Laka. What's this mean? May Allah forgive you. So all tonight, tomorrow, someone does anything good for you. Don't just say Shukran. 
Shukran is a dua. Shukran is not a dua. It's more of a dhikr. You're not really asking Allah anything. Shukran. It's better to make dua for someone. So you're going to say, Ghafar Allahu Laka. May Allah forgive you. The second dua I want you to write is what we learned from the Shaykh. Rahimakallah. Rahimakallah. For the brothers, Ka. For the sisters, Ki. It's always going to be Ka for the males and Ki for the females. Rahimaka. For the brothers, Rahimaki. For the sisters. Rahimakallah. May Allah have mercy upon you. What's the difference between the two? You also say Rahimahullah. You can also say that also. Rahimahullah. Rahimahullah. Uh, you can say Rahmatullahi alayk. If you say Rahimahullahu laka, then the ha is going to the third person. If you take the ha away, Rahimahullah. Replace the ha with the kaf. I'm asking that Allah has mercy upon you. For the sisters, Rahimahullah. That's a tremendous dua also. But that one is known. Everyone knows that one. So also, that's another misconception. Another conception, ya ikhwan, we don't always have to say the same dua over and over and over and over and over. No. There are many dua. Many. Jazakallah khairan is tremendous. May Allah reward you with good. But you don't have to always say that over and over and over. The Prophet didn't always say that. Sometimes say this, may Allah have mercy upon you, shukran. May Allah bless you, alhamdulillah. May Allah guide you, may Allah forgive you, may Allah teach you, may Allah honor you. There are many dua you can say, especially to your parents. Sometimes we forget, yeah, khwan, our parents have right over us. And they do kindness to us, and we think it's, you have to do that, ummi, abi. No, you don't have to do that, yeah, khwan. So make dua, ummi, may Allah guide you, may Allah have mercy upon you, may Allah bless you. May Allah reward you with good. What's the difference between the mercy and the forgiveness? Mercy includes forgiveness. Mercy includes forgiveness and? Something about the future? Protecting from the future. MashaAllah. The forgiveness, you're only talking about someone's past. When you say, Ghafar Allahu Laka, you're asking Allah to forgive them. May Allah forgive you for whatever you've done in your past. Mercy, you're saying that same thing and extra. You guys have like restaurants. We went to the nice restaurant there, mashallah. Tasty something tasty. And the lady gave us some dates and some water. We didn't even order that. So that was ziyadatan. That was extra. So the mercy is the forgiveness and more. You know, you go to the store and say, hey, let me get a number one. And they give you a bag of chips too. So I, didn't, I didn't order this. Look, man says, no, that's not what I wanted. I just wanted the fries and the cheeseburger and the drink. She says, yes, this is extra. So the mercy, you're saying, may Allah forgive you, and extra. So it's better to say mercy. What does mercy mean? May Allah forgive you of your past and protect you regarding your future. So that's a tremendous dua, Another misconception, Ayyub, is that some Muslims believe the mercy of Allah is only for the dead. I remember doing a lecture one time and I mentioned the Shaykh by name, who was alive. My brother said, he's still alive. I said, yes. He said, you said, may Allah have mercy upon him. I said, yes. He said, he's still alive. I said, yes. What's the issue? What's your point? He says, I thought the mercy of Allah is only for the dead. I said, I'm sorry to say, 
but you thought incorrectly. He says, give me some proof that you can say the mercy of Allah is for the living. I said, there are many. There are many. He says, give me some. I said, what do you say when someone sneezes? And they say, Alhamdulillah. What do you say to them? Alhamdulillah. What does that mean? May Allah have mercy upon you. Are they alive or are they dead? He says, they're alive. I said, you can say that, Yaqa. There are many proofs that you can say. The mercy of Allah is not only for the dead. That's a misconception. The mercy of Allah is for the living and the dead. From the names of Allah is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Is Allah's mercy only for the dead? No. It's for the dead and for the living. I think that misconception comes from when we mention scholars that are no. alive to Hafizullah, hey. that are dead to Hafizullah. Hey, Another point to learn different dua. You don't always have to say Hafizullah, may Allah preserve him. You can say Rahimahullah as the Shaykh is doing now. May Allah have mercy upon him. So let's get us some more benefit, ya ikhwan. قَالَ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ مَعْرِفَةُ اللَّهِ وَمَعْرِفَةُ نَبِيِّهِ وَمَعْرِفَةُ دِينِ الْإِسْلَامِ بِالْأَدِلَّةِ He says, having knowledge of Allah. قَالَ مَعْرِفَةُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ بِالْقَلْبِ وَمَعْرِفَةُ تَسْتَلْزِمُ قُبُولَ مَا شَرَعَهُ وَيَذَعَانُ وَإِنْقِيَادُ لَهُ وَتَحْكِيمُ شَرِعَاتِهِ a benefit from the knowledge of Allah. Shaykh Udaymin, he says, it's the knowledge of Allah that you learn that's in your heart. And it's the knowledge تَسْتَلْزِمُ الْقَبُولِ بِمَا جَاءَ بِهِ Muhammad And it's the knowledge, not having knowledge, just to have knowledge, not like that. It's the knowledge that makes you accept. Accept what? Everything the Prophet of Allah has come with. Many Muslims nowadays have knowledge. He knows how to pray. He knows the time of the prayers. But when it's time to pray, he's watching the game. If he forgets to pray, look man, is he sinful? He's watching the game. He's playing the PlayStation. You guys have that? He's playing the PSP, the Wii, the Nintendo. And he forgets to pray. Is he sinful? The answer is no. We'll say it again. He's playing the game. It's time to pray, but he forgets. He's not deliberately letting the prayer go past. No, he forgets. Is he sinful? The answer is no. Forgetfulness is an allowed excuse. Does he have to make up the prayer? Yes, but he's not sinful. The evidence for that, that if he forgets, قَالَ النَّبِيَ عَلَيْهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مَنْ نَسِيَ عَنِ The Messenger of Allah said, whoever forgets or sleeps over the prayer, then the expiation for that is that he makes it up whenever he remembers. He didn't say he's sinful. So forgetfulness, if you forget to do something, you're fasting. Oh, it's a good one. The sisters fasting. And then, Nasiyat wa ta'kulu. Hal hiya la tazalu sa'imatan or muftiratan? The sisters fasting. It's asr. And she forgets that she's fasting. And she grabs a cup of water and says, Bismillah. If she truly forgot, is she still fasting or no? Yes. If she truly forgot in her heart, not like most of us, we may eat the sandwich 
And then brother, hey, hey you, you, you fasting. Ah, I forgot. He know he didn't forget. He just wanted to eat that. Not like that. If he truly forgot in front of Allah, then he's, he's still fasting. And no one can say, you have to make that day up. No. There's a hadith, hadith Abi Hurairah, that the Messenger of Allah mentions, the meaning of the hadith. Whoever eats unintentionally, forgets to eat, they let him continue his fast. That was a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's also allowed to rinse your mouth. But you have to know how to rinse your mouth. Sometimes you get hot, you get over overheated. You can cool off. You can rinse your mouth in Islam. Some of the companions used to do that. But you have to be careful not to swallow. Some of the women in the time of the Prophet were they were cooking food. And they were fasting. And they would cook the food and they would taste it. Where's your taste buds at? Who knows? Your tongue. So anything before your throat is allowed. You can't swallow. But if you don't know how to do that, if you can't control, then you shouldn't do it. Because you can accidentally swallow. Or you can purposefully swallow. But like brushing your teeth. Sometimes the brothers may say, well, can I brush my teeth while I'm fasting? You can, it's allowed to brush your teeth. But you have to be mindful not to swallow. Like using a miswak. It's allowed to use the miswak, it's recommended. But you can't swallow the juices of the miswak. You have to spit them out. That also breaks your fast. I'll give you a benefit, yuftiru asom. How many things break the fast? Give you a benefit, inshallah. We're talking about tonight. What's the last sentence of the, of the book that we did so far? The, the first paragraph? Bil adilla. Remember the proofs. Memorize this, Yekhwan. Even when I speak, all of us, memorize the proofs. What's, how many things break your fast? Intention. Intentionally breaking your fast. Food, I'll give you an easy one. Food and drink. On, intentionally. Uh, having relation with your wives and husbands. Three. A woman on her period. A woman on her, she doesn't have to fast. Break the fast. There are many things that the scholars differ on. I'll give you a benefit, look man. Follow. If you're, if you're sick, do you have to fast? It depends on what sickness. It depends. Some sicknesses you still have to fast. Some sicknesses you don't have to fast. Okay. If it's a sickness that breaks, that if, if the sickness is a sickness that is a light sickness, it looks like you're going to be cured from that. Then you don't have to fast. You can break your fast and you have to make it up. You don't have to feed no one. If it's a fast, that's, if it's a, a sickness that's severe, it looks like there's no cure. You, that's your situation. Now, he doesn't have to fast. He doesn't have to make it up. And he can feed someone in the place of that fast. So it depends on what, what sickness. Tayyip. So now, uh, what's my first question, Ikhwan, before Luqman's question? I mean, Sorry, how many things break the fast? We got to three so far. I give you a benefit. There are many things that the scholars differ over that breaks your fast. But there are three that all of them are unanimous on. Three and three only. Eating, Eating drinking, drinking, and having relations. Everything else 
the scholars there for? Our brother mentioned cupping. There's authentic hadith, hadith Anas, that the Messenger of Allah, he got cupped or who saw him while he was fasting. There's another hadith the Messenger of Allah says, the meaning of the hadith, the one that's cupping and the one that's mahjoo, receiving the cupping, yuftir, they break their fast. And the hadith is authentic also. How do you understand it? The Prophet is saying the one that gets cupped and the one that's cupping breaks their fast. And he was seen cupping while he was fasting. Some scholars say, First way to understand it. The action of the Prophet abrogates his statement. He said this statement, the one that gets cupped and the one that is cupping breaks their fast. And then he was cupped while he was fasting. One way to look at it, his action wipes out that statement. Second way to look at it, it doesn't wipe it out, but he didn't mean that it breaks your fast. He means it can break your fast. We rolled past the gym earlier. My brother says, can I still work out in Ramadan? The answer is yes. But it's better not to. Why? Because working out can lead to you breaking your fast. Anything that can lead to breaking your fast, or you're afraid that it can break your fast, it's better not to do it. Right? If you have to work out, then work out lightly. Don't go overboard. You used to do four push-ups, now do one. Make it easy, inshallah. At any rate, that's the second way to look at it. That he didn't mean it breaks your fast, but it can lead to breaking your fast. At any rate... There are some things, but you need proof to establish that. There are some things that is only for the Messenger of Allah, like Al-Wisal. You know Wisal? Wisal, when you're fasting, you fast days and you never break your fast. You fast four days straight and you don't break your fast at Maghrib. Sometimes the Prophet would do that. That's called the Wisal. You fast from the Fajr to the Maghrib and then he didn't eat. And then he went that whole night, he didn't eat. And then the next day he fast again, he didn't eat. Then Maghrib came again, he didn't eat. And then the next day, that's two. Sun is up, he didn't eat. Maghrib, he didn't break his fast, three. Sometimes he went days and days and days. That's called the Wisal. The Prophet prohibited the Muslims from doing that. When it's time to break your fast, break your fast. He said, oh, Messenger of Allah, you do the Wisal. He says, but I was given the strength of many men. This is something from Allah Ta'ala that's specific for the Prophet, the Wisal. Marrying more than four women, that's only for the Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam. So those things that are from the Khususat al-Nabi alayhi Those things have proofs. You have to have proofs to establish that. Other than that, the Prophet is governed by the same Quran and the same Sunnah by the rest of the Muslims. So according to many scholars from the Imam al-Shawkani, there are only three things that all the scholars unanimously agree on that breaks your fast. Everything else, the scholars differ. Some say this, some say that. What's another one that the scholars differ on that breaks your fast? I give you an issue. Our sister has her hands up. Fadali. MashaAllah, the kuhul. Some scholars say the kuhul, you know, the kuhul that mainly the women wear. But it's not only for the women. Who else used to wear it? The companions of the men. Nowadays in America, you may be looked at strange. Oh, he got on makeup. He got on this, he got on that. But it's actually two things from Jamal or from Siha. It's from beauty, it beautifies you. That's why a lot of the women, the African women, the Arab women, mashallah, 
lot of the, Amer uh, the American women, they wear it. It's a beautification. No matter how your eyes look, it makes it more, more beautiful. But that's not the only thing. It's also a remedy. It, it cleanses your eyes, and it also strengthens your eyes. Many of the brothers that wear glasses, as you get older, your sight gets weaker and weaker and weaker. The kuhl, if you wear it correctly, there's medicine in it, and it can strengthen your eyeballs. But you have to wear it, I don't know how to wear it correctly, you have to put it on the inside of your, your eyelashes, on the top and the bottom. And as you blink, the, the stuff of the kuhl, it grazes your eyeballs, and it can benefit and strengthen your eyeballs. So it's a beautification and a remedy at the same time. So the kuhl, some scholars say the kuhl breaks your fast. The correct is that the kuhl does not break your fast. At any rate, almost everything besides these three, some scholars say it does, some scholars say it doesn't. Try to memorize the proofs. Don't focus on this scholar says, this scholar said, this scholar said. That's second. Focus on what's the evidence. What's the proofs? And this is going to help you as a student of knowledge, Ikhwan, as you're going to rule by the Quran and the Sunnah to the best of your ability. And when you get it wrong, you get it wrong based upon your understanding. There was a sister in Egypt, when we were in Africa some years ago, she used to wear the makeup without the face veil, outside. And then when she was advised, she would say, hey, taqila antum, have them in Sunnah to Nabi. She would say, you brothers fear Allah. This is a Sunnah. You say, well, how can coming outside of your house with no niqab, you're not in the house with your family, you're outside. How is that a sunnah? She says, yes, the messenger of Allah, she says, I have a hadith. You study hadith, I have a hadith. I said, give me your hadith. She says, call Nabi alayhi sallallahu salam, inna Allah hadith Aisha, inna Allah yuhibbu jamal. She gives you authentic hadith. She says, the messenger of Allah said, verily Allah is beautiful and Allah loves beauty. This is beautiful to me. So she has the hadith, but she's misunderstanding the hadith. That sister in Texas, that's an imam of the masjid, leading the salah in front of the men, on the Jumu'ah, in front of the men, in class, in front of the men. She says, I have a hadith, I have proof. You say, what proof, what proof do you have? She says, the messenger of Allah says, Seek knowledge, even if it's in China, he didn't say it's for the man or the woman. You say, first of all, the hadith is weak. That's number one. Some scholars say it's fabricated. Number two, you're using it way out of context. That's not talking about a woman is allowed to be in front of the men, praying in front of the men. No, it's not like that. The point is, people can have proofs. There are many deviant groups. There's a group, we won't mention their names, they believe Allah is everywhere. Hadil qawl kufr. To believe that is disbelief. But don't think they're just making it up. They have proofs from the Quran and the Sunnah. But they misunderstand the meaning of it. They say, I believe Allah is everywhere. You say, what's your proof Allah is everywhere? They say, Allah Ta'ala says to Musa and to Harun in Surah Taha. Allah Ta'ala says, Idhaba ila fir'awna wa la takhafa fa'inni ma'akuma al-ayah. They say, Allah said to Musa and Fir'aun, uh, to Musa and Harun, go to Fir'aun. And don't be afraid, for verily I'm with you both. I say, what's your point? They say, Allah says he's with them. Okay, where were they? Now he's using his intellect. Where were they? On the earth. So if Allah is with them, then Allah is on the earth. 
You say, no, no. You're using your understanding of the verse. You have to derive the correct understanding from the verse. So this is the point, ya khwan. You have to study the, the adilla, and then you have to understand the adilla <coughs> correctly. How the people of the past unanimously understood the ayat, understood the verses of the Quran. Did Aisha understand it like that? No. Did Umm Salama understand it like that? No. Did Anas and Abu Hurair and Abu Bakr, and, did they understand it like that? The answer is no. This is what it means to be Sunni, Salafi, Hadithi. You're not making up your own way of understanding Islam. Many of us in America, we learn the narration and we apply our own understanding to it. That's incorrect. You have to derive the correct understanding from the narrations. If you do that, you'll be upon righteousness. Inshallah, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Naktafi bihada, we'll stop there, inshallah. So your homework, what days we're gonna have this class here? Uh, Saturdays and Sundays. So we got one night to memorize four lines. Inshallah, you can do it, inshallah. We'll come back tomorrow, everyone recites, and then we'll go on to the next part. Anyone has anything else to mention? If not, we'll stop there, inshallah. Ta'ala, our sisters, our brothers. Right, we'll stop there, inshallah. Wa subhanakallahum wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta sarfuku wa atubu alayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.